Hello and welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, where we have two brothers discussing fantasy football with their analysis and their takes. I am one of the hosts. My name is Derek. And we also have my older, not as attractive brother here, Daryl. What's going on, man? Wow, you hit me with the old, um, the old you ugly, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's what's up. That's how we do. But yeah, man, I'm good. Week three was entertaining as hell, and I'm glad to be here to, to talk about it. So let's giddy up. Let's giddy up indeed. We're going to start the show off how we usually start up a, a show with a little wrap that ish up, B. A shout out to Dave Chappelle and the Chappelle Show years back. Again, had a wonderful segment where it's time to wrap things up, wrap that gavel up, B, etc. <laughs> so uh, to wrap it up, we go with highlights, lowlights, any other notes we have. We're going to start with the Atlanta Falcons Seattle Seahawks game. Definitely wasn't on my bingo card as a game that we would probably be discussing to lead off a pod, but hey, look at us. We're here. <laughs> All right. So I think the first thing, well, let's start on the Atlanta side, right? They won the game. Cordero Patterson, man, 17 rushes, 141 yards and a touchdown. He also had a catch for 12 yards. Kyle Pitts. Made an appearance. It's good to see it. Five for 87 on eight targets. And I have a, <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have a note on him. He had a lower snap percentage than usual, but he produced. And that's what we care about in fantasy. And then Drizzy, AKA Drake London with the game winning touchdown, three, three receptions, 54 yards. And that was on six targets. So, um, let's start on the Atlanta side here, Daryl. I also will add with Mariota. He was 13 for 20 for 229, a touchdown. But, yeah, let's start on the Atlanta side. Um, what are your thoughts on this Atlanta offense, and how are you feeling about them? Well, I looked into, you know, you know, in getting ready for the show, you know, I was looking at some stuff, and currently Atlanta is PFF's ninth-ranked offense, I want to say. So, they're kind of doing something right now as it as it pertains to this game um i was on atlanta in particular i was on mariota last week as a streamer because seattle's defense yep. had not been putting up very good efficiency numbers and boy they came through you know um mariota and them boys were able to uh were able to get up and down the field you know pretty regularly and uh Oh, this game hit it's over by like the mid third quarter, I want to say, or something like that. Maybe even, maybe even sooner. And for all the stuff that was, you know, floating in the air about Atlanta's offense last week, a lot of that got put to bed this week. Like their three primary weapons, Cordero, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, they all did their damn thing um, this week. It was, you know, Watch, you know, looking at Cordero in particular, you know, it reminds me of talk from the offseason about, you know, his his ADP kind of dropped compared to what you saw from him last year. 
but kind of unbeknownst to us, or maybe maybe it was known, but like he had a bad ankle sprain last year, and you yeah. could see from his production before that ankle sprain, like he was lights out. You know, that was when he was like a meteor shooting through the sky with his fantasy production, and then after that, after that injury, you know, his production kind of tailed off. And that was kind of the thing, I suppose, that was most in the minds of drafters coming into this year. And Cordero really slipped down boards, you know. he was, I, I believe you could probably have gotten him in, like, double-digit rounds by the time we got to um, – by the time we got to late uh, – to the late bit of the draft season. So to see him come out fresh this year and he's putting up numbers, I want to say he's uh, – I think he's definitely an RB one right now. I I want to say like maybe he's top six, top eight on on the season so far through these three weeks. So um, great value on him throughout the draft. Maybe I buried the lead. Maybe I should have started with Kyle Pitts because for those of us out there who uh, who drafted this guy in the second, third, or fourth round, finally a sign of life, <laughs> yeah. like. Finally, it wasn't it wasn't a smash game or or anything like that, you know. But he put up, you know, PPR wise, he put up like thirteen or so points, which at the tight end position, great. Not gonna knock it. Um, you know, we're still waiting on him to get on the board with one of these Mark Andrews, uh, Travis Kelsey kind of weeks. But we saw there were signs of life. I believe he got four targets on the very first drive of the game, which, you know, maybe the whole squeaky wheel thing, uh, the whole squeaky wheel theory has legs. That was just great to see because, I mean, look, I don't hold out much hope of him repaying his ADP. You know, I have him in, I have him in several drafts where, like, I took him in the third round. I've pretty much thrown my hands up that I'm going to see the return on that ADP investment. But now I just want to see something like give me a top six, top eight weekly tight end, tight end uh, finish. Okay. You know, at least it's not a total loss because what we were getting the past two weeks, that was essentially unplayable. You know, that's, you got a matter of fact, I picked up David and Joku in a league that I, that I have um, Kyle Pitts in just on the off chance that, it's time to put Kyle Pitts on ice for a little while and just play matchups, you know? So it was good to see him get off the schneid. And the boy, Drake London, when we talked about him last week, that train just continues. You know, the the kid looks good. He got into the end zone, um, gave you, what, like 14, 15 points on a floor week. You know, this was this was a floor week. Like I said last week, I think he could potentially give us um, a Jamar Chase type rookie season where he just comes out the gate and, you know, kicks kicks in the door like a lot of other rookie receivers are doing this year. But I put him squarely among them. And if this kind of production keeps up, I have no I have no issue with seeing him finish as a wide receiver one this year. Low end anyway. I think that's totally within the realm of possibility. Right, and I think this was, um, I mean, this was a low-target game for Drake London here, and I didn't watch this game live, but when I went back through 
the little highlights and the videos I do watch, Mariota had most of those passing yards in the first half. And they did, um, they were, they just were running the ball well with Cordero Patterson. So, you know, it really wasn't one of those games where they specifically had to air it out because they were controlling the ground. With Kyle Pitts, this was the lowest uh, snap percentage he's had this season. And maybe that could be a little small um, concern there. But like I said, they weren't passing the ball that much. Mariota passed it 20 times. Pitts had eight of the targets. So just live with that and just move forward. That's my opinion on that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, as far as Mariota goes, as a as a streamer, I'm just going to reiterate what I said last week. I think he's a legitimate choice for streaming. You know, matchup matchup depending, but I think he's a legitimate choice for streamer because, you know, this offense, like I said, it's it's early days yet for them, and they actually kind of turned a corner. Granted, it was against a poor Seattle defense, but Mariota got you a throwing touchdown. He got you a rushing touchdown. Their interception he had that was. That was an end of half uh, interception, just kind of throwing the ball up, trying to make something shake. That wasn't through, you know, the, the course of the game, just bad throw interception. So um, he could have had another couple points added to his total last week. He's totally, totally serviceable in a in a pinch, and you know who knows? Maybe uh, maybe he can hold off the rookie and keep that job for the year because. What right now they are two and one. No, excuse me, they're one and two. Got the Browns coming in um, next week. Totally winnable game. The NFC South is not looking all that great right now. Um, uh, right now, Tampa is looking flabby and weak with um, with all the injuries they have going. So they they might have something to play for, and he might be able to hold on to that job and just keep doing these little things, you know, to keep himself viable passing wise to couple with that rushing and maybe kind of backdoor a low end quarterback one finish this year. But yeah, we, we, we can yes. move on to Seattle. Yes. Well, that, that, that was a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I mean, again, not the game we expected to lead the pot off, but again, here we are. So on the Seattle side, Gino three twenty five two touchdowns. He threw a pick as well. And then the receiving options, Metcalf and Lockett, man. Them boys got targeted. believe both of them had double-digit targets here. Good podcasting. I'll confirm it. They did. Lockett with 11, Metcalf with 12, uh, Metcalf with the touchdown, five for 64 and a touchdown, Lockett nine for 76. Rushing game, you didn't really get too much there. Uh, Rashad Penny had 14 rushes for 66 yards. And then there were other handful of guys getting some rushes, but nothing uh, fantasy-wise to talk about there. So, uh, Gino, man, 325 and two touchdowns. That's that's what we like to see. Uh, absolutely. And the good thing, Gino, is, Gino has played respectable football this year. You know, that that first half for sure that we saw against Denver when Russ came back to town, Gino was lighting it up. Um, I forget who they played week two, but Gino, Gino had a solid game in week two. And in this game here against Atlanta, 
Gino, he wasn't he wasn't great, but he was very serviceable, accurate with the ball, took care of the ball. The interception that he threw, it was a backbreaker, but they were in comeback mode. They were in had to have a touchdown on this final drive mode, and um, and he ended up throwing a pick. Uh, I think he threw the ball into double coverage. I can't remember who to, but you know, Gino's been a pretty good steward with the offense. I think he could be a serviceable streamer as well, mainly because that defense of theirs, whew, they are really, really bad. And they're going to make that offense have to put up numbers in order to keep them in games. You know, I, I believe that I saw something this week saying that Geno passed the ball. I think it was something over 40, 40 attempts this past week and Russ yep, had only yep. done that like a couple times in the last like five years. And Gino's right. done yep. that maybe a couple times <laughs> yep. in the first three weeks. And a lot of that is predicated upon the fact that that defense is just not that good. So they're going to be in situations where they're going to need to pass. Um, You're not seeing a lot of explosiveness out of the passing game. It is, a, it is very steady as she goes. But the good thing is that that target tree is fairly narrow between Lockett and Metcalf. Apparently, Will Disley will pop his head out of a jar and pick up touchdowns every now and again. But Got to get Big you know, Montana involved. Got to get him. <laughs> you doggy. Um, so you know, I think the good thing about that passing game is it's going to need to be active. And you know where the target's are going to go. And I don't yep. know if you saw the DK touchdown, but he's just big boyed the um, the Atlanta cornerback on, on that play, which we all know is in his bag. So I'm not I'm not over the moon about about playing any of those guys, but if they're my wide receiver three or flex, then things you know you you could be doing a whole lot worse because there's going to be a, a lot of opportunity from them just all based on the fact that their defense really needs a lot of work. And if you think back to that, to that game against Denver, you know, Denver fumbles to, um, they, they fumbled, uh, both of their running backs fumbled on the goal line and, yeah. you know, took basically 14 points off the board. That would have been even further testament to how poorly that defense have have played, so you know there's there's that angle to attack with the with the Seattle offense. I think that the two receivers will be more or less solid. I don't think they're going to win you weeks or or anything like that, but I think they'll be very solid contributors. And in a pinch, especially when the bye weeks start getting here, I think Geno could be a very very serviceable streaming option for uh, for teams that need him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from the perspective of bye weeks are in a pinch, that's where you're looking at Geno for. And part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this game was Seattle plays Detroit next week in Detroit. And Detroit mm -hmm. <laughs> is mm -hmm. um, one of the worst fantasy defenses out there. Um, wide receivers are posting about 40 points a game. Uh, that's total wide receiver output. 
And then quarterbacks are getting about 23 fantasy points a game, and that's in PPR league. So, hey, next week, Will's up, Geno, Metcalf, Lockett, put them in your lineup. Good to go. And and to that point, you know, I, I, maybe we're going to talk about this later, but we might, you know, it's a good time to put it in there. That game in particular, get everybody in there. Get your Jamal Williams, your Armand Ross, maybe your DJ Charks, your Jared Goff. You know, that is one of three games this week who's over under as of now is sitting at 50 points or above. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you have – two offenses that are, you know, right around league average but competent. And then you have two defenses that are just that are just bad, you know, especially in coverage. So I I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not inventing the wheel here, but I think that has that game has a very high likelihood of shooting out and, you know, get your fantasy pieces of it. That's that that's what I say. Really uh, really think hard about targeting that game for either DFS or um, or just for, for setting your managed league fantasy lineups in general. Absolutely. Let's move on to the next game we wanted to discuss. Dolphins 21, Bills 19. It wasn't exactly the fireworks that we expected with uh, Miami coming off that game against um, Baltimore, how they looked. And then, you know, Buffalo just manhandling Tennessee. But we did get some good fantasy output here. Let's start with the winners. The Dolphins, uh, two only had 186 yards and one touchdown. But as we know, he did suffer, I believe it was supposed to be a concussion or his back. Who knows? NFL is looking at it, though. (laughs) Um, Chase Edmonds gave you two touchdowns. Granted, it was only six carries for 21 yards. And Jalen Waddle gave you four for 102 in the air, and Tyreek only two for 33. Um, on the other side, Buffalo, Josh Allen threw for 400 yards, had two touchdowns. Uh, he rushed for 47 yards as well. And then Devin Singletary gave you a touchdown in the air. He had nine catches for 78 yards. And Mr. McKenzie, seven for 76 in a tutty. Mr. Diggs, seven for 74. And then finally, um, Gabriel Davis, probably one of the other people you start in this game, went three for 37. So talk to me here, Daryl, about this game, what you saw, what you liked, what you disliked. Well, I guess just from an overall football perspective, congrats to the Dolphins. You know, they This was their coming out party. Well, I guess the encore to their coming out party after what they did against Baltimore the week before, but they, they backed it up with, with a hell of a solid performance. It was a really weird game. The the way it played out, the bills ran 90 offensive plays. The dolphins ran 24. That's just, excuse me. No, 43. I think Tua had 24 dropbacks, but, um, but yeah, the dolphins ran 43. 43 is a super low number of plays to run in a game. Much less to run in a game that you win. Like that was that was that was incredible. Right. Um, you know, Josh Allen from you know, to shift into the fantasy portion of it, Josh Allen did Josh Allen things, you know, four hundred yards, the two touchdowns, and I think he ran for another thirty seven yards. I'm sorry if you said that but before, but 
that's just fantasy killer right there. You know, <laughs> if if he's playing for you, that's great. If you see him on your in your opponent's lineup, you just know you're in for a long day. Um, Steph Diggs had a good solid game. My man was out there cramping a lot. Um, yeah. I guess it's hard to prepare for that for that South Florida heat when you uh, when you up there in upstate New York. So, you know, no, no no shade or nothing with that. But he had a decent day, and it could have even been a bigger day. You know, I think he ended up taking off something like fifteen or twenty routes due due to that cramping. So, you know, you you could just imagine what kind of day he could have had otherwise. Isaiah McKenzie, welcome to the show. Um, he broke out. Welcome to the show. <laughs> he broke out Soon this man. past week. And I drafted McKenzie on a lot of teams, especially on a lot of best ball teams. And I drafted him on several um, on several of my managed league teams. And I dropped him in a couple just to make some other moves. And my thinking on that was he's – He's in a timeshare with Jamison Crowder, and this game was no different. He was out there for about 56% of the routes, and Jamison Crowder was out there for around the same number. So neither one of them has really locked down that slot role in that offense. So while I'm, I'm excited to see him put this kind of output, especially for the teams that I have him on, I don't feel like this is the type of performance that I could count on from him going forward just because his the usage numbers just aren't there. If he ends up in one of my lineups, it's either I've been hit on a bye week or I've been hit by some sort of injuries because just from me as a fantasy fantasy manager, that's not that's not that type of participation that he's putting up right now. That's not something that I want on my front line starting lineup. You know, when I'm putting my A team out there, I wouldn't choose to go into it with a player with that kind of uh, with that bit of dodgy participation profile. That's not to say though, you know, he can't just be a spray and pray kind of guy. So those guys are useful. Say you're in a situation where you're going up against an opponent where you know you're horribly overmatched. Maybe you do put in an Isaiah McKenzie and hope this is one of those games where he goes off instead of going for a floor play, put in McKenzie, go for a ceiling play. But that's going to be his role, I believe, in, in fantasy this year, unless he's able to just outright win over that role from Jamison Crowder or something else happening, you know, an injury or something, because Crowder's no stranger to injuries, um, unless he's able to up that root participation share. Um the man, Devin Singletary, wow, he went off. I want to say he had eight, nine receptions, a bunch of targets. Um, that was interesting to see. That was, you know, I was surprised to see that at the end of the game. But then when I realized that they ran 90 plays, then it started to make more sense. I don't think that's going to be a repeatable thing going forward either, like that type of target volume for Singletary. But for that one game, wow, 
kudos to him. I wouldn't start him every week expecting that to be to be the deal with him. And it was good to see James Cook start to get a little more involvement, which was uh, which is good to see. Maybe he's starting to see the light of day outside the doghouse. Um, as for Miami, they only ran 43 plays. And if you go and look at Tua's efficiency numbers, that man finished in the 91st percentile in EPA per pass play. He was as efficient as they can get yeah. in 43 plays. But that didn't translate to much fantasy production. You know, he finished with under right. 200 yards passing, one touchdown to River Craycraft? <laughs> I guess, you know, go fish, right? Player. Uh, He's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like one of those key and peel creator players, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my man got in for a touchdown. Um, not much work for Tyreek Hill, but I don't think there's, I don't think there's much to take away from that because again, only forty three plays run for them. Jalen Waddle came up big. I think my man went for over a hundo on only four receptions. Had a huge, huge, huge. Um, game-breaking play, I want to say in the third or fourth quarter, where he split two of the Buffalo safeties to help Chase Edmonds score the go-ahead touchdown, which Chase Edmonds, let's talk about him, right? My man, I haven't, I haven't been in PPR league. Man scored 15.7 points this past week after scoring two rushing touchdowns. That's not sustainable, man. That's just not sustainable. Outside of the two touchdowns, he scored 3.7 more points. I'm scared of this Miami backfield. I really am scared of this Miami backfield to the point where I wouldn't be opposed to trying to, you know, flip Chase Edmonds this week, trade him up, you know, hold the shiny jingling keys of this last week's performance maybe package him up with somebody else and try to ship him for a more, um, a more consistent option because I just don't know what to make of that backfield right now. And I don't feel comfortable really starting either one of him or Mostert. Um, now one kind of one little bit of hope I'll hold out is that their schedule is supposed to lighten up in the coming weeks. And so Maybe that will contribute to more to more rushing for for the Dolphins as a team because they're they're pretty low in in rushing numbers per game anyway. But from where it stands right now, after these first three weeks, I am not excited at all about having Chase Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert in my starting lineups. Yeah, and that's understood. Like to wrap up the points on that, and I'll touch on Buffalo as well. Um, 24 snaps for Mostert, 19 for Chase. So, I mean, that's dang near 50-50. And, of course, Chase Edmonds ends up with the two touchdowns. So, I mean, like you said, that's not something that we are going to bank on and sustainable considering he only has seven opportunities. And then on that Buffalo side, like you said, 91 offensive snaps is just crazy. This isn't something that's going to happen every single game. but 
just some things to know is that Gabe Davis is going to be out here. He was out there 87 of the 91 snaps. And then McKenzie and Crowder were basically, you know, sharing snaps. 46 for McKenzie, 45 for Crowder. So I didn't particularly watch this game, but just based on those numbers, that adds up to 91 snaps. So I'm assuming one's on the field, the other one isn't. And so that's the thing with McKenzie. Like, you're just going to have to be one of those guys that you look at as your ceiling play, like Daryl mentioned, and take it from there. All right. Yeah. Let's move on though. To and just to kind of real quick touch on touch on that Miami schedule. What one thing there. Just to kind of touch on that Miami schedule. So they started off the year with New England, Baltimore, and Buffalo. And so for the next few mm-hmm. games they get Cincinnati, the Jets, Minnesota, the Steelers, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, then Houston. So their schedule is gonna lighten up. So maybe there's some hope for these for these running backs to for, you know, the rushing game in general to get more usage for Miami. And then maybe these, maybe Moster and or Edmonds can start getting a little bit more production out here. But holding on to them and waiting for that to happen, um, I'm not a fan of doing that. Well, not without exploring, trying to flip one of them for, for, for something else. At the very least, you know, do some uh, do, do some trade exploration with either of those two guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the interruption. Let's, let, let's continue a pace, good sir. No, you're good. Fair enough, and that's good points. Let's go on. Second note we want to make is wide receiver. Who? This weekend, uh, <laughs> had to do that. This week with uh, the top 10 wide receivers. So as of Sunday night, there was not a wide receiver that you drafted with or at least that was ranked in the top 24 of draft rankings um, that put out output in the top 10 that week, which is crazy to see um, that obviously changed on Monday night when CD lamb came through for eight for 87 in a touchdown, but the top 10 wide receivers this week, Devonta Smith, Matt Collins, Hollywood Brown, Olave, a.k.a. Mr. Air Yars himself, Amari Cooper, Russell Gage, Zay Jones, Tyler Boyd, CD came at nine, and then Devontae ended up at 10. But I have to mention the 11th guy also, and that was Romeo Dubs. And, you know, Romeo Dubs was one of those guys that people were clamoring about around draft season. And lo and behold, he comes out here and has a top 12 performance. So let me kick this off to you. Uh, Within that first five between Devonta, Mack, Hollywood, Alave, Cooper, uh, which one kind of impressed you the most? Well, they look, all of them did their thing, but my my, my eyes are drawn to Alave. Because you know we talked about him last week with all those air yards he was getting. The man got 300 air yards, I want to say, in week two, if I'm remembering that correctly. And this week, the man converted on him. Nine for 147 on 13 targets. Now, granted, this came after Jarvis Landry and Mike Thomas. They both went out of the game with uh, with injuries. 
So Olave was the next best weapon on the field. Hell, he may be the best weapon on the field for them when those two guys are, are there. But still, you know, he went out and he made it happen. And as any fantasy, as most family fantasy analysts have been saying, Olave is a deep threat. Jameis is a dude who likes to chuck it deep. Match made in heaven. So, you know, but right. the fact that he went out there and actually converted on it, that was that was huge. Now that whole Jameis likes to check it deep, that is a double-edged sword. For those of you who are Alvin Kamara managers, yeah, yeah you know, that, that <laughs> down <laughs> bad a little bit stuff. right now. But yeah, uh, but yeah for, for Olave, the rookie, to come out and do what he did, you know, follow up on last week's hope with this week's promise. Um, that was that was very impressive. Some some of these other guys on the list, though, um, you know, th- this is a weird week. These other guys in this uh, wide receiver who list, um, a lot of them, you wouldn't be shocked to see them end up as a wide receiver one in any given week, but to have them sort of, you know, dominate this one week and the the first round guys, the the Diggs is the Justin Jeffersons, um Devontae Adams, though to have those guys just kind of fall by the wayside like completely this week. That it, it was just a really weird week. Good to see Devontae Smith get back out there because I know everybody was really, really super worried about him after that um bagel that he put up in week one. And, you know, if you if you looked back at the highlights or you watched that game, you know that those receptions that that guy was getting, it wasn't a bunch of busted coverage um, type stuff. That boy was out there really, really getting it. Routing boys yes, up, sir. going up in contested situations. Like he was he, – he went out there and got it. You know, that that was the Heisman right there. So, you know, that was – that that was very very good to see, and it makes the prospect of the Philadelphia offense look very scary in fantasy. If you don't have Jalen Hurts, it makes facing him look very very scary. If if he's going to be able to get this out of his weapons, and if all else fails, you know he could take one to the house with his feet himself. Philadelphia man, just looking real good. Uh, some some of these other ones, Mac Collins, you know. I think that's a function of Renfro not being there. Hollywood Brown, that's pretty remarkable to have 14 catches and only 140 yards. But, you know, <laughs> if if he's on your squad, you'll you'll take it. You'll take those uh oh, what is that? That's 28 points. Uh, you know, you, you you'll take that with PPR points. Amari looking solid. And, you know, that's a that's a solid line. Can't really complain about that. It's you know after these past two weeks with him, maybe the worries about that week one performance he put in are gone. And this is the second week in a row that Jacoby Brissett looked very very capable in his role as quarterback for for the Browns. You know it's it's in that same mold as maybe Geno and Mariota, maybe a little bit better, but he looks like you know. This dude is not going to he's not out there Baker Mayfielding it. He's going to actually he's going to actually make this offense do what it what 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 it needs to do. 
And I think he's going to hold down the fort well until until Deshaun gets gets out there. So, you know, I would tend to rely on Amari going forward. I would comfortably play him, hopefully, as my wide receiver two, wide receiver three. But, you know, this is – I think it's two weeks in a row he finished with 101 yards, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so, yeah, good, good on them. I think Amari is somebody you can rely on going forward. Russell Gage, I think that's – well, Russell Gage is interesting. Russell Gage is interesting because, you know, when he signed to Tampa Bay, there was that window where he signed to Tampa Bay before they got Julio, and it looked like wheels up for Russell Gage. He was going to be a part of their 11 personnel package. But then they got Julio, and then um, – Russell pulled his hamstring and it just threw everything up in the air. Well, now Russell's out there. Julio is, you don't know what's going to go on with him week to week with his, with his knees. Um, who Godwin with his hamstring and coming back from the ACL. We don't know what's going to happen with him. So I think I would feel fine putting Russell Gage into my flex so long as I know one of either Julio or Godwin is not playing that week. I would I, I would feel very, very okay with that. You know, this was all this performance this week was all volume driven. I mean how you the same thing I said about Hollywood, you know, how you catch eight balls and only get eighty seven yards. You know, it's a bunch of dink and dunk, but still, all them points spend Take those points. Good on him. Zay Jones. I'm on, I believe in Zay Jones. And I'll, I'll say this and then, I, then I'll throw it to you and we can get your thoughts because I know I've been going a bit. But I'm with, I'm, I'm, I'm on this with Zay Jones because his, all his underlying numbers are there. He's out there, you know, when they're in two receiver sets, he's the guy who's out there. When they're in three receiver sets, obviously. He's out there. He's in pretty much all the routes, 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 whatever. He's he's <laughs> running pretty much all the routes. And his target share, very respectable. That's a guy definitely who should not be on waiver wires. At the least, he should not be on waiver wires. This Jacksonville offense is not setting the world on fire, even though they just put up 38 points against um, against the Chargers. It's not setting the world on fire, but it's a legit offense. It's a it's a league average to above average offense, and they're looking good. And that guy is out there for pretty much every pass play that counts. He should be on teams, and he should be at the very least verging on hitting your flex spot. So I'm 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 with this on Zay Jones. I'm buying Zay Jones if he's on uh, if he's if he's on waiver wires in any of the leagues that I'm in. I'm going to rectify that this week. And on, I know there's at least one league that I'm in where I've been rolling with DJ Moore and I have Zay Jones on my bench. That situation is about to get flipped. DJ Moore is about to spend a good amount of time on the pine and Zay Jones is about to hit my lineup going forward. And... Would not blame you for that call at all, considering um, the output that DJ Moore has been giving us. Um, 
but yeah, I, I agree with the points that you made on those first seven for sure. Um, especially with Russell Gage, if Julio and Godwin are out, Gage should be in your lineup for sure. Um, at least in the flex. And I think that offense will come around. Um, they're not moving the ball like they usually do with a Brady offense, but I think they'll turn that around. Uh, the guy I want to highlight here is Romeo Dubs. This was actually one of the games I was able to kind of watch a little bit. And he was out there pretty much the whole game. Um, and this is in light of, you know, Sammy Watkins going out with an injury here. Uh, I believe, is it his hamstring? I believe that's what it is. But yeah, he was out there and pretty much from what I saw, when they needed a play, it was either him or Lazard they were going to. And especially just moving the ball down the field in general, they were looking Romeo's way. So going forward, uh, assuming, you know, Sammy's out for a while, Randall Cobb looks phased out from the perspective of him being in there at every down play. I think Romeo is a perfectly fine flex play. Um, I think he does have more upside than Lazard as well. So that's my thoughts on that. And then finally with Devontae, I think a lot of that stemmed from Jacoby being out. And now you're going from Mac and now you're going to Brian Hoyer. And so I'm not, I'm not looking to add Devontae Parker on my roster, but definitely a good hashtag good for him performance. Yeah, that's really, yeah, that's, that, that's things about the whole thing with, with Mac Jones, because excuse me, that's, that's what they brought Devontae in for was to be that, that, that deep threat making just ridiculous sideline catches and whatnot. And he was, you know, supposed to be their big threat to do that. So, you know, hopefully maybe Hoyer can restore him to uh, <laughs> to what he was doing last week, but that is not something I would count on. Yeah, definitely not banking on that. And we move. All right. Sorry about that. We had a little technical difficulty but hopefully we are back on track here. Our next segment, we talked about the wide receiver who we got to follow it up with the running back who. So yeah, the top 10 running backs this week, three of the top 10 running backs in week three were actually drafted in that top 10 area. The other seven were drafted well after that. So similar to the wide receivers, we had not necessarily new faces, but we had a, a new little mix in here. So the top five this past week were Khalil Herbert, Derrick Henry, Jamal Williams, Saquon, and James Robinson. The next five were Cadero, Devin Singletary, two guys we've already talked about, Ramondre, Damian Pierce makes his appearance, and finally Nick Chubb. So within that top five, I'm going to kick it to you, Daryl. Um, what stood out to you? What are some notes here? Well, Khalil Herbert coming in, doing his thing with Devin, excuse me, with David Montgomery going out due to injury. That's not all that shocking to me because Khalil Herbert's a good running back. You know, you just heard his name over and over again throughout um, fantasy draft season that he was a guy to stash away because over the course of the year he could very well earn his um earn some playing time away from David Montgomery 
even without an injury. So once David Montgomery would get injured, it's, it would be wheels up for Khalil Herbert. So this wasn't that much of a surprise, but that that he did show out, but the degree to which he showed out, my goodness, you know, he put up some numbers. And so obviously that's a guy you want to look into when it comes to this week's waiver wire. Derrick Henry, you know, he's going to do, he's just doing Derrick Henry things. Jamal Williams, he's another one. He's kind of in that Khalil Herbert bucket where if DeAndre goes down, Jamal Williams would be forecast as a low-end running back one, high-end running back two. So for him to, for him to, you know, and actually DeAndre played for a good bit of that game. Jamal got a bunch of his regular work, you know, his, his two touchdowns were goal line situations and that's, that's going to be his role no matter if DeAndre is playing or not. So, um, Jamal Woods was another one that was going to have kind of standalone contingent standalone and contingent value, no matter what's going on with, with the starter. So he's another one. If he's on your waiver wire, you got to pick him up. Saquon, it looks like his return to form is just, it's just rolling. You know, as of now, I believe in PPR formats, he is the running back one and, that's what everybody who was drafting him early in the second round was banking on, you know, his, that, that seems like, that seems like the gamble of all gambles that went right. You know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to make a list at some point of who ended up, you know, being not necessarily the best value, but you know, they, they just hit in that certain way to where like you drafted them and you got, you know, pretty much a best case, a foreseeable best case scenario. That's uh, that, that's maybe that list is too specific, but you 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 know what I'm trying to say. Like you drafted him early to mid second round, hoping that he would find his form and end up being just an absolute steal. And so he's well on his way to doing that. And James Robinson, many congratulations to that man for battling back from that Achilles injury that. I'm not going to front like I was I was not at all enthusiastic to take him in any draft like I don't I may have him in one of my 60 odd um best ball drafts that I did and I don't have him in any managed leagues and you know I'm feeling quite foolish that I faded this man so hard now I will say this I believe that thus far through the season he is running back 3 and I don't think that's going to continue so if I were holding on to him, I'd be putting some feelers out to see what kind of return I could get and maybe try to sell high on on him. But um, that's not out of any kind of diminishment of his talent or or anything like that. I just happen to think that Etienne was going to carve a, uh, more of a role in that offense. And I think James Robinson has been extremely efficient like on his touches. I think I believe the man has like four touchdowns. Um, one one receiving touchdown, three running touchdowns, and you know through three games, and I just don't I just don't see that kind of pace keeping up for him. So I'd be I'd be eager to catch up just from an efficiency standpoint. Not that I have anything against his talent because that dude is indeed a monster. Indeed, indeed, and yeah, I think ATN will 
factor in more here as well. Um, going to the next five, I just wanted to touch upon one of the guys, Ramondre Stevenson, led the backfield with 12 carries, 73 yards, had four receptions for 28 yards. From a snap count perspective, uh, out of the team's 66 snaps, he played 41 of those, ran routes on 26 of those. Um, so just numbers that you just like to see. Now, going forward, this may be a little tricky with Mac Jones being out, and now you have Hoyer in here. But I think the Patriots may be facing more trailing scripts with Hoyer in here, and I think there's a possibility for Ramondre to capitalize on that. Um, but what are your thoughts on, I guess, Ramondre and then maybe the other two guys of Damian Pierce and Nick Chubb? Right. I see, I see your reasoning on Ramondre and why you're kind of eager to see how it plays out with him going forward. I, I could, I definitely see a path for what you just laid out. Me, myself, personally, I, um, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure that I would be. Oh, man. I've, I've just always had any, an aversion to the Patriots backfield because it's just, it's it's extremely just squishy and slippery and hard to get a handle on, and this year has proven proven no different. Um, and so, I'm not really eager to hold either him or Damian Harris, especially with now with Mac Jones being out and all, and there's even more flux being added to their situation. Um, it's just kind of in a void to me more so because I'm going to have these guys on my roster because I think they're too valuable to cut bait and just put on the waiver wire, but I'm never going to feel comfortable playing them. So I just, I just hate having players like that on, on, on my roster. And so, you know, let me, you know, kind of truth time in our family league that, that we're both in somebody, I, I suppose just rage dropped Damian Harris onto the waiver wire. And I had to pick him up. You know, I, I dropped a brick on him, picked him up, you know, spent like maybe 40, 45% of my fab and picked him up. And, um, because, you know, he's sitting there, that's a low end RB two. You got to have him. He, he can't just be sitting on the waiver wire for somebody else to pick up and use against me. But I'm just in the situation I just outlined. I'm never going to know when to put that guy in my lineup. And I'm trying to package him up and maybe see if I can if I can flip him for for, for something else. Um, so that's that's just kind of where I stand on the Patriots running backs in in general. You know, as for Mr. Damian Pierce, he just gave us a week that everybody was, you know, clamoring about before you know before the season started like during during draft season when he was showing out so well and in the preseason he just gave that performance that you paid that fifth sixth seventh round price for so in the context of his touches from week one okay yeah this could be this this would be a little bit surprising but in the context of what you saw coming out of the preseason and how much juice he had, especially compared to Rex Burkhead, this is not this is not that shocking 
and I don't I don't expect you know him to be consistently in the top ten every week, but for him to peek his head every so often, yeah, this is this is that this is that upside that you drafted him for. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. This you know this was a it, this was an interesting segment because you know we were talking about this over over the weekend. You know, just like go look at who's in the top ten finishes in both of these this week, and it was yeah, it was a bunch of that guy. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was it, it was interesting to see how it played out. I think the flip side of that is kind of interesting too. It's the names that aren't there. You know, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Najee, like these these guys who were pretty much solidly within those top 10 running backs drafted. And you could also look at the same thing with the wide receivers. You know, Cooper Cup did his thing. Um, Stephon did his thing. But where's Justin Jefferson? Where's Devontae Adams? Um, I feel like I'm missing. Did I think Jamar Chase maybe just missed top ten? You know, but this is this is going on like two two weeks where these first round guys aren't really doing it after week one, where at least the first round receivers were, you know, those guys were banging on all cylinders. So this has been kind of an up and down start for uh, for, for for first round guys like all around except for. Except for Cooper Cup, basically he's a he he has been the one kind of constant throughout. I want to say all of these first three weeks, from a first round perspective, that is. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, from the top, yeah, Cooper for sure. And what made me look at going back to the wide receivers regarding this was I was looking at different scores in my leagues. I wasn't able to watch as much action as I would would have liked to. But when I was looking scores of the leagues and we getting into the afternoon games and then getting into the night game, I'm like, man, these fantasy scores are low. And of course, in my opinion, normally when you're having high scores, it's typically wide receivers going off and it's usually your top guys that are going off. And then you have one of those lower tier wide receivers that go off too. And you started all those guys and boom, you put up 150 plus on your opponent. And when I went look at that list, like I mentioned, it was just like, wow. Okay. Zay Jones, Romeo Dubs. But um, nevertheless, let's move on to the last part of wrapping it up. We call this part. Are you concerned? These are players that we drafted uh, fairly high in our drafts, maybe between the first, what, four to five rounds here. And currently we're three weeks in and the output has not been great. We'll first start with two running backs. Let's go with Austin Eckler. He's the RB 13 currently, which isn't bad, but he was drafted as an RB three overall. That is, um, Right now, he has 32 attempts on with 80 rushing yards and 21 receptions for 139 yards. And then Travis Etienne, he's wide, wide receiver. He's running back 37 right now, but we drafted him as around the running back 17, 26 rushes, 112 yards, and then eight for 81 in the air. Um, are you concerned on any of these two running backs? Eckler, for sure. 
Eckler I'm concerned with for sure because what really fueled him last year, it was those 20 touchdowns that he scored. And most most talk that you heard in the fantasy space is like, yeah, the guy's probably not going to put up 20 touchdowns again this year, but he's going to come out and he's just going to still be high producing because he has the receiving role locked down. He has the two-minute offense locked down. And you would hope that he would still lock down that goal line, um, that goal line phase of the running game as well. And that has really, that's just, that that's just kind of evaporated, you know, partially because that offense isn't playing as well this year, but also, you know, Sonny Michelle and Joshua Kelly have been eating into that role. So yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about Eckler and I know his week two was bailed out by, um, was it his week two or one of, I can't remember exactly which weeks, but my, I feel like two of these first three weeks have been bailed out by kind of last minute garbage, more or less basically just garbage time situations where, you know, going into the fourth quarter, he was headed for a not so great finish that then became respectable just due to the fact that the offense had to pick it up. And, you know, that's kind of why that's part of the yep. reason why you draft them. You know, those garbage points count just the same. Um, but I guess the problem that I'm having with him is you're not seeing like kind of this baseline path to where, okay, he's going to get me 13 to 15 just off spec. And then, you know, these little extra sweeteners is what's going to potentially take him up to 20, 25 points on a given day. Like he's kind of, you know, wheezing to the finish line for all of these finishes. And that's that's what has me concerned with Eckler. What about you? Uh, with Eckler, I mean, he has zero touchdowns through these three weeks. And I'm looking at some of these scores here. If he had one touchdown, right, that would bring him up to running back 11. If he had two touchdowns, that would be, what, another 12 points? So if he had two more touchdowns, he would be running back four, right? Or running back five. You know who's running back number four right now? Clyde? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's part of the reason why I'm not too worried on Eckler, but you did bring up good points as far as the usage isn't the same. Now with you got Michelle back there and Kelly getting looks. So I'm not too concerned. I'm slightly concerned. Um, ETN, James Robinson not going nowhere, dog. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I think there's going to be some room for him to get usage. I would be concerned for where you drafted ETN. Like, I don't think he's going to give you that output by end of the year, unless something happens to James. And that's just my thoughts on it. No, and I, I, I agree with that. I think there's, there's room for him to grow his, um, his share of just maybe sort of the, the first and second down running. And, you know, ETN has left, I want to say 
12 points worth of touchdowns on the board as well. Um, you know, if, if I think this is going yeah. back to week one where he just he dropped a walk-in touchdown, and I want to say that Trevor Lawrence kind of skied a ball over him or something like that um, on what on what would have been another touchdown. And I'm sure those 12 points would make a huge make a huge difference. So yeah, where absolutely. you are where you are on Eckler, I'm at with ETN. So <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like he can he can be fine even with even with the role that James Robinson is playing because I just don't expect James Robinson to stay to stay this high. You know, I, I just I could be wrong and this dude has made a career over blowing smooth past people's expectations of him, you know, from being undrafted to coming to being a running back coming back from an Achilles. So, you know, you don't ever want to count him out too much, but, and this man has four touchdowns in three games. I, that's, that's a hell of a pace to keep up. So, you know, right. For anyway, sure. For just, sure. Ju- just my thoughts there. All right. Let's, let's talk about the two wide receivers. We have DJ Moore and Allen Robinson. DJ Moore is wide receiver 61 currently. He was drafted as a wide receiver 14. And Allen Robinson is currently wide receiver 69. Nice. Nice. And drafted as wide receiver 21. The crazy thing about both of these guys is that they have the exact same receiving stats of seven for 88 and one. I think because of the rushing yards DJ Moore has, he's at um, wide receiver 61. So kind of based on on that, these two here, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, are you concerned? So we are recording on a new platform today. And one of the features that I just found out that we have on this flat on this platform is a soundboard that's automatically, you know, just kind of hooked into the um into the audio feed. And I wish I had set it up today with a siren or something because I would be spamming that thing right now because yes, I am extremely <laughs> concerned about both of these you dudes. Are a um, fool. <laughs> DJ Moore. Oh, I mean I have DJ Moore on more than a few teams. On my managed league teams, I just don't see a way that I can that I can play him. I, I just don't don't see one. That offense is just so putrid. You know, Baker Mayfield has, he has kneecapped DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. And up to this point, McCaffrey had been pretty much quarterback proof. You know, you you could have put him out there with a stick man and he was going to get out there and, you know, get you 80 yards on the ground, eight receptions for another 50 or so and probably a touchdown or two. I just don't see with with that coaching staff, with Baker at quarterback, I just don't see a way out for DJ. And, well, a way out in the sense of him being a guy you can reliably put into your lineup. I don't think there's any chance he finishes as a wide receiver 14. Like, not, not at all. Like, that ship has sailed. Like, if he's on your roster, I think like the most you're hoping for is that he can work his way up into being maybe kind of a no doubt about it flex option or something like that. You know, that would given this start, that would be 
a great ending for the way this season is trending so far for him. And with Allen Robinson, uh, you know, one, the Rams offense hasn't looked that great this year. That offensive line is a problem. Number two, Cooper Cup is just him. So he's going to eat. He's going to eat. In the same way that James Robinson ain't going nowhere, Cooper Cup ain't going nowhere. And then Robinson has kind of shot himself in the foot a couple times with some with some really big drops. I believe he dropped a touchdown, a surefire touchdown this uh, this past week, and he's had he's had several other drops. So you know things are looking pretty bleak for him. In one of my leagues, um, he just got he just got. Rage dropped this morning. I saw that <laughs> I saw that somebody dropped him. So I'm 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 in this frame of mind where I'm trying to figure out, you know, I don't feel like the man should be on waivers, but how much really, how much fab should I really be dedicating towards picking him up? That's a real, you know, that's a real pickle. And it would be the same thing if I saw DJ Moore on on waivers too. You know, if I dropped him in my managed leagues. I'd be curious to see what um what what some of my league mates might drop, if anything. I could see him just staying there. I could see somebody bidding half their fab for him. So, you know, it, the jury's just really, really out on these guys. If I'm comparing the two, I think, well, it goes without saying, I think that Robinson has more of a path out of the gulag, but I just don't feel comfortable with either of these guys in my starting lineup right now, just not, 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 not at all. You know, the only thing you could really point to is that they're both on the field. That's, that's really about it. They're on the field, but like, that was the same argument I was saying for having the Zay Jones on your team, having maybe a Donovan Peoples Jones on, on, on your team, you know, these guys are on the field. That's about what you can say for them. So, you know, yes, I am worried. I am very much concerned. And next week, I will have that siren on the soundboard. And if the same situation is going on next week, I'm going to be hitting the hell out of that damn siren during this segment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have the same opinion regarding those two. Um, I don't see how you can start either one of those two um well i mean maybe you are going forward at least right now next week but maybe you can look at the matchups and your roster see how it is but yeah like you said they're both out there um it's about it <laughs> uh, <laughs> they play football. Right, so i have a bonus i have a bonus one here we'll be real quick on it so this player is quarterback he is 63 for 106 um, in completion this and attempts, 743 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. He was drafted as a top eight quarterback. And I believe those type of stats there would have him as a QB2. Great podcasting. I'll tell you where he's at. He's actually at quarterback 22 right now. Based on that limited information, would you be concerned on this guy? Yes, I would be concerned with Russell Wilson. 
Did I nail it? <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. It was rough. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I would very much be concerned with with Russell Wilson. Um he's another one. He's in that same he's in that same limbo space like him, DJ Moore, Chase Edmonds, Allen Robinson, they're all hanging out in that limbo space where do I drop them? I certainly don't want to play them. If they do get if they're not on my team and those guys do get dropped, do I want to pick them up? How much fab do I want to put on them? Like these this situation with with him is just not not good. I mean, I think with there's there's some sort of football problem going on with Russ and that offense and I don't know, schemes and, you know, put people in motion and, you know, splits and what football talk. Blah, I, I don't know all that stuff. But there's there's something going on that's above my pay grade, my knowledge grade, that they haven't figured out. I think they still have time to figure that out. Somehow that team is two and one. Um, he's got... He's got excellent weapons. I think there's more. I think there's a path there for, for for Russ to come out the other side of it. But I don't know. There was a lot of this with him last year. I think like even before that injury, even before he hurt his finger, he was kind of eh. So I can't blame any fantasy manager that has that has other options. On the on the waiver wire to go and maybe stream instead of instead of Russell or maybe do a thing where you put Russell on the bench and you pick up another guy and stream that other guy and you know you kind of play both sides basically you burn a roster spot holding Russ while you go and play another guy just to see if Russ is gonna pick it up in the coming weeks but again that's not without cost you know you you're burning that roster spot that you could have speculated on some other player with. But do I want him touching my starting lineup? No, not at all. Not, not at all. That offense just – only only piece of that offense – well, let me not say that. Only – Chris, I'm so exasperated thinking about this. It's just – I just really, uh, yeah, really, really – let's... Don't know what to do when it comes to him. And I just feel lucky that in my managed leagues, I don't have that problem. I have some best ball teams that are suffering with him, but those are out of my hands. So like those just have to, those just have to go with God. But like, I'm just very happy. I don't have to do anything on any managed leagues with him because he's, he just has you in a, in a pickle right now. If, uh, if he's your quarterback on a managed league team. Yeah, for me, I'm not giving up on Rush yet. I may not necessarily um, be starting him next week. I mean, we'll see. I'll take a look at things. But he hasn't faced any of those AFC West matchups yet. So I'm still in just mainly because of that and just my personal faith. I think they'll figure it out um, to make that offense beneficial and him a fantasy starter. But let's move on. Let's do a little, I got five on it. You got something to add before we get in that? 
A wrong plump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get into it, man. Uh, it's our waiver wire segment. Um, I got five on it, i.e. we're bidding on our uh, players here. Um, that's the best way to do waiver wire. Um, so let's get into it. Some of these guys we've already talked about, so it won't won't be too long here. But starting with the running backs, Khalil Herbert with uh, David Montgomery day-to-day with knee and ankle, and then Jamal Williams. Um, he is over 50% on sleeper, but he still um, is not owned enough in leagues. We know that Swift is most likely going to be out until the bye week. Um, do you have any other running backs to add here? Yeah, I would – I would add Alexander Alexander Madison um, from I'm, – I'm not sure what his ownership per percentage was, but I think it was somewhere like in the 60s from, from what I saw on – from ESPN. And I know that's a little high. that You know, that's over that 50% threshold. But, you know, it definitely is worth your while to go and check your waiver wire to see if he's out there because he's – He's a must-add. You know, even if Dalvin doesn't miss time this week, Dalvin's shoulder is a ticking time bomb just because this happens every year and Dalvin won't or hasn't had the surgery to repair his labrum, which is what keeps his shoulder in its socket. So he, at any time during this year, you know, that was always the risk with Dalvin drafting him high this year at any time that shoulder could pop out and that's going to put him on the shelf for a little while up, up, you know, to, on the shelf for a while up to, you know, out for the season, depending on how bad it is. So, um, so yeah, I would just go and check on whether or not Alexander Madison is on, is on waivers. And as for ordering these guys, I would put Jamal first as far as how I'm going to spend my fab, then Madison, then Herbert, um, that's that, that that's how I would go after them in order, just because Jamal Williams, like we said earlier, has standalone value, and in case anything else happens to DeAndre throughout the rest of the year, um, Alexander Madison, because he's behind that ticking time bomb that is Dalvin's shoulder, and then Herbert, right. Herbert just, you know, even if he does get that job for a while, that offense is just not that good, so you know, he kind of has a bit of a double whammy work, working on him, even though the guy's very, very talented. Agreed. That would be the same order I would have. Let's get into wide receivers. Uh, we got Romeo Dubs, Zay Jones, and then I added on Mac Hollins as well. Um, the caveat for Mac Hollins, as we mentioned earlier, to me it depends on – well, you should pick him up regardless, but actually – Picking him up and starting him will depend upon if Renfro is available because if Renfro is, Hollins goes back to the fourth man in the pecking order. Even though in week two he did get targeted, I believe it was eight times, he still would be the fourth man probably in that pecking order. Um, thoughts on on these? Yeah, I'm I'm with all of that and it's, and with the you know, um, on Dubs and Zay Jones. Yeah, I. Like I like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a Zay Jones fan. I think he needs to be added to rosters. I agree with what you said about Mac Collins. You know that the whole Hunter Renfro caveat 
completely there with you on that. Romeo Dubs, this man has this man has a path to be the wide receiver one in that offense. You know, Sammy Watkins is going to be on the shelf for another three weeks, so Dubs is going to get a chance to show what he has. And you know, his other his stiffest competition being Alan Lazard, who's been in the league for five or six years and really, you know, hasn't distinguished himself as a no doubter wide receiver one for a team. So. Yeah, there, there's a path for Dubs to do some things. So I would definitely, definitely go and um, scour my um, my waiver wire to see if he's out there. And just some other guys I, I'd want to mention. Um, some of these guys are caveated. Uh, Noah Brown, for the uh, wide receiver for the Cowboys, he would be worth an ad. But, you know, I say that with keeping an eye on Michael Gallup's situation because they you know Michael Gallup was allegedly supposed to be back for last night's game um who was it the Cowboys played the Giants against the Giants and he didn't play and Noah Brown Noah Brown had a very very good showing uh that at night and I think he's averaging you know around seven targets a game right now so as long as Gallup is out I think Noah Brown should be in a roster and should you know maybe be in consideration for a flex spot Another caveat guy, Greg Dortch. Um, you know, Rondale is supposed to not be ready for an, at least another week, maybe even a couple more after that. So, Greg, Greg Dortch is a guy who's been getting who's been getting targeted a decent bit. He'd be worth an ad. I'm going to throw Tyler Boyd in there because I saw that he was only rostered in 61.5 percent of ESPN leagues, and I know that's you know that violates the 50 percent rule that we've been trying to keep to. But 61% for Tyler Boyd, that's just, well, way too low. You know, that he's not going to always be out there. But, like, when you come into bye week season and injury season, Tyler Boyd would be a guy you feel comfortable throwing in your flex. Um, We talked about Isaiah McKenzie earlier. Um, I think he's a guy to have on the end of your roster just in case you need a little bit of extra pop, even though you can't necessarily count on him on a week-to-week basis. He is a slot receiver in that Buffalo offense. So, you know, if you have the room on your bench for him, I would say go for Russell Gage as well. And that's just playing off of, he. you know, basically Russell Gage has two outs. If either Julio or Godwin is not going to be out there, then I think Russell Gage has a path. Even with Mike Evans back, I think Russell Gage has a chance to see a decent number of targets. And also between Julio Godwin and Mike Evans, all three of those guys do have a tendency to um, to come up with lower leg in- injuries every now and again. So a guy like having a guy like Russell Rage, Russell Rage, <laughs> Russell Gage on your bench is not the worst uh, backup plan in in the world. You know, go- going throughout. You know, going from this point in the season on on throughout, you know that that's a break glass and emergency type of player, especially given the injury history of the guys who are in front of him on that roster. But yeah, th- those are my receivers that that I have. Yeah, new nickname alert for Russell Gage, Russell Rage now, baby. That's how he will be known as the podcast going forward. Russell All Rage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tight ends. I think you have to have 
Njoku on here for sure, given that performance he had against Pittsburgh and Tyler Conklin. Now, the caveat I want to mention with Conklin is that Zach Wilson is probably coming back here sometime soon. So I don't know how that quarterbacking situation will play out between um, them going from Flacco back to Wilson, if it'll still be prosperous for Conklin. But so far, he's giving you three weeks of just excellent output. He's out there pretty much every down, um, even with – escapes my name, Uzoma, even with Uzoma making his appearance back, um, Conklin is still a guy to at least go ahead, look at him, roster him, and just know that caveat of Zach Wilson. Um, Any thoughts on those guys or any guys you want to add? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on Conklin. I want to say that he is, yeah, he's the tight end three right now in PPR. So, you know, it's, and it's not by, it's not a lot of distance between him and Zach Ertz, but you know, yeah, he he's definitely worth putting on your roster because uh, it's because it's tight end, you know. And if somebody's showing that they're going to be out there, um, really for a, a lot of the game with tight end is just being on the field, getting the routes, and Tyler Conklin is doing that right now. So yeah. Agree with you on it on Njoku. Gerald Everett, his numbers, his ownership percentages are still kind of low, but Everett is averaging um he's averaging nearly seven targets per game, which is great. As you know, co- coming from the tight end position, I know he put up a dud this past week against uh Jacksonville, but again, it's basically a free tight end, so that that just comes with uh that just comes with the territory. But so yeah, those that that kind of yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm with you on the tight ends you mentioned. I just want to throw out Everett as, as well. Good deal, good deal. And then finally with quarterbacks, we've already discussed Geno Smith earlier in the pod. Getting Detroit, enough said. Other two guys we have here is Jameis Winston. He's going up against Minnesota across the pond. And then Marcus Mariota going up against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's a a decent defense, but, you know, if you're in that pinch, if you're one of those people who lost, you know, Trey Lance or maybe you are looking at Carson Wentz and you're like, "Eh, I don't know, Wentz or Mariota, um, you know, that's an option there. So. Any thoughts these guys or anyone well, else? Yeah, I, th- I think Mariota is is a would be a pretty good stream this week. Um, you know, to to date, Cleveland is the ninth worst defense per PFF. They're the twelfth worst pass uh, passing EPA per play this year, and they're um, you know I don't want to. First off, get well soon. I hope that everything's all right with Miles Garrett. But Miles Garrett was involved in a car accident just uh, just yesterday. We we're recording this on a Tuesday, so on oh, on Monday, yeah. I believe it was Sunday yeah. or Monday, he was in a car accident, and you know the extent of his injuries aren't aren't known, so he may or may not play. But even when he did play this this past week against uh, who was that they played Pittsburgh, I want to say. That um, yeah, yeah, that 
that pass rush against Trubisky was not that great. Um, and Mariota, Mariota has scramble capabilities as well. You know, so if both Clowney and uh, Miles Garrett are down, I think it really because with with those two, the pass rush in Cleveland is pretty. You know, is is pretty formidable. But without those two, I think that could be a situation for Mariota to take advantage of for sure. And plus, he has the running, the running Konami code with him. Um, if you're in a real pinch, you know he mentioned Geno. On the flip side of that, Geno's opposing quarterback this week, Jared Goff, who's um, I think his ownership numbers are somewhere in the 30s on ESPN. So he he'd definitely be a guy yeah. to look at to stream this week. Um, Seattle's second-worst defense per PFF, second-worst coverage per PFF, and the worst pass EPA in the league, um, um, according to, uh, to to Ben Baldwin's site. So Jared Goff would be a streamer. And if you're super-duper-duper duper in a pinch, Cooper Rush is a guy that I would, I would recommend they take on the Commanders this week. Commanders have the seventh-worst overall defense by PFF. Six worst, sixth worst coverage, um, pass coverage defense per PFF, and the eighth worst pass EPA per play. So, um, I, so so far this podcast, you have dropped a me myself personally and Cooper Rush. Who do you think you are? I'm hitting for the cycle tonight, baby. <laughs> All the dumb oh, stuff coming goodness. out of my mouth. But but yeah, you know, I again, uh, you know, th- this just depends on who else is on, who else is on your waiver wire. If you you know, for instance, I'm in a um, I'm in a 14 team league, and a lot of teams have two quarterbacks. So I drafted Trey oh, Lance yeah. in that league. So I'm I'm really struggling at quarterback. So I'm having to try to pull pieces from he- from here and there, just trying to eke out some W's and hope that some quarterback reveals himself to me throughout these weeks or if I could trade for one for somebody's backup or something. So, you know, I'm, I'm having to scrape the bottom of the barrel. So that's the only reason I have this knowledge. If, uh, if Trey Lance were still on my team and if he were getting a job done, I wouldn't know what was going on with the bottom of that, uh, of that quarterback <laughs> waiver wire, but now it is my business. Oh man. Huh? Well, with that being said, let's get into our last segment. Let's get into a little DBB, a.k.a. the Brothers Battle. We're currently doing a betting contest where we are betting either the spread or the over-under in every NFL game. The winner of this contest will get bragging rights and, of course, a nice dinner. Going on to week three here we kind of came back to earth (laughs) we've been uh well last week we were over 500 um in that respective week this week daryl went seven and nine and i went eight and eight so daryl is hanging at 52 percent with 26 and 24 record i'm at 28 and 20 with a 58.3 percent um neither of us have done a triple play are basically a lock of the week um the past two weeks but 
maybe that'll change going forward. Going into the actual spreadsheet for week three, looking through some things. I'm looking at both of us getting that Atlanta game. I went with Atlanta. You went with the over. And then another thing that stood out was um, the Jacksonville Chargers game. We both went under. The <laughs> under was uh, or the over under was 47 and a half. And uh, the total score was 48. We just missed on that one. Um, one other note, the unders this week went nine and six. The past two weeks, they each went 11 and five. So, hey, the unders are hidden so far. Yeah. Yeah, not what? not so good. Not so good for me this week. Um, I I look back at um, at some of these and ones that stick out. So in in getting ready for 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 today, I was just going back and looking at some of the some of the box scores, and I was looking at them on PFF and PFF. You know they they'll give you a team's record and then they'll give you the team's record against the spread. And so far the, okay. um, the saints are zero and three against the spread. <laughs> and I thought for sure, we, uh, you know, we both, we both picked new Orleans. I thought, man, we did, you know, for, for however bad new Orleans may be, however up and down or sometime they may be, they've got to cover this three against the Panthers and just no, no. Um, maybe you could blame that on two of their receivers going down, but um, Jameis was very not good in that game. Not good. Uh, defense did their part for the most part, but yeah, that one. Um, and I think what separated us, what ended, well, last week ended up coming down to last night for us, right? As far as who did better on the week, um, right? We ended up the line we had was the Giants, the Giants giving a point to the Cowboys. I took the Giants. Derek took Dallas, and um, gang gang. Yeah, man. I thought um, you know, I thought that Dayball Magic was going to uh, was going to win out against um, against the the donkey headed Mike McCarthy. But <laughs> you know, that boy, that boy Cooper Rush, put together some drives at the end. CeeDee Lamb decided he liked catching the ball after a while, um, which was good oh, for my man. fantasy, but not good for the contest. And <laughs> but yeah, I uh I don't know. This this week was just a slaughter for me, man. Just, just an absolute slaughter. Yeah, it it was for me too, especially in the early slate and including the Thursday, it's just red, 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 red. But coming into the uh, the afternoon, you know, we were on that, the wire. I want you to put the word out there. We're back up. <laughs> Got those last yeah, yeah. five in. Um, regarding Houston, that's my team. Shout out to them. Um, for our sheet, we had it at Chicago minus two and a half. I saw some three and some three and a halves out there, but I guess by the time I did the sheet, it was two and a half. So no longer the Houston covers in our sheet, but you know who did cover in our three and O on the season? Who that? The Detroit 
Lions. <laughs> so maybe they are the new covers. Let's see. The teams Who they win, got great next teams week. cover. <laughs> they got Detroit Seattle. Plays Seattle so, next hey. week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's the, is the I don't know who I'm gonna be on? Yeah, they're, they're such a fun team to watch, man. They 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 really are such a fun team to watch. And you know, I'm pulling I'm pulling up the best sheet. Well, not the best sheet, but I'm pulling up the Lions right now. And right now, it is currently the Lions are giving the Seahawks four and a half points in Detroit. Ugh! Wow, man, I don't like that. <laughs> Don't like don't it. Like it. <laughs> yeah. If I had to pick that right don't now, I'd be, like on, it. I'd be on the Seahawks, but don't have to make that decision quite yet. <laughs> we'll see how, nope. how it plays throughout the week. Goodness, four and a half. Ugh. All right. Um, yeah, you got anything else on the betting sheet, man? Any any notes? No, not really. Just going to get back in the lab and try to be better. Um, try to be a little bit better this week i just i don't know i just i thought the good times from last week will last forever and apparently i'm the first gambler ever <laughs> thought that the good returns from one week will just never ever stops but uh but yeah i guess i was wrong so we'll we'll get back we'll get better and um maybe at some point in the future we'll start posting these uh start posting these picks as we uh as we get a little bit better about adding supporting media to this to this pod of ours, so that so that people who listen can kind of follow along and see our shenanigans. I don't mind it at all. Um, I'll go ahead and say I'm probably gonna go with Cincy at home on Thursday. Putting it out there. Oh. You can tell me if you want or not. What Just line my are you thoughts. Uh, man, I think I've already put it in. I think it was minus three. It's... Hashtag not okay. podcasting. But all right, well, yeah, yeah I think it was minus three right now. They got Cincy minus four. I gotta say, I'm taking the Dolphins on that. As as, as it stands right now, but. But you said you put it on the sheet at minus three. No, no, it's it's not on the sheet yet. But I took it already on um on the like of the look ahead lines on when was that Sunday night maybe. Oh, okay, okay. Like I actually bet it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that ought to be exciting for what's going to be an exciting game anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Add a little juice to the juice. <laughs> Well, man, that's another podcast down, another week down. Uh, We're going to come back to you guys with some more analysis, some more information. And of course, y'all stay safe.